You are listening to the Archaeology Podcast Network. Good evening, uh, Jeanette, Liv, and Kiara. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Hello, good evening. Uh, now, um, for those of you at home who are wondering, uh, Chiara is uh, a, a student at Durham University who uh, we thought uh, could be an interesting person to talk to. And uh, she is, in fact, using a photograph um, as, her, uh, as her avatar on Skype this evening. She's not uh, just frozen solid. Um, but we are here this evening, uh, you lovely people, um, and also you lovely people at home, to talk a little bit about... I suppose something which I was looking at uh, a little while ago, and that was the, the so-called um, Museum of the World digital uh, project, but from the British Museum, like a partnership with Google, and its implications for the future of museums. Now, uh, initially, I get quite excited because I'm thinking, "Cool, yeah, this is this is public access. It's uh, it's the ability to to bring all this information to people where they are," and um, and it may well take a little bit of pressure off uh, off the funding um, the funding funding black hole sometimes which museums face uh, when trying to put together, for example, uh, you know, exhibits and also you know, exciting public initiatives which people have to physically visit. Um, do you guys agree with that, or, or are, there, are there some downsides to this? Uh, well, I, I I always get excited when it's digital exhibitions uh-huh. uh, of, for the same reasons and because I'm an art uh, <laughs> uh, but I, I actually think that the only downside is uh, the workload uh, that's put can be put on the uh, well the collection side of the museum to mm. make it all uh, accessible and digitally available mm. uh, because it's not always up to date and there's always a lot of stuff to process uh, but we have a lot of these initiatives especially in Sweden uh, I talked about one of them yesterday for the news uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah the, uh, uh, well the abbreviation is KOK I'm not going to say it out loud but, <laughs> um, but yeah the, 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 uh, the sort of the wiki media uh, yeah. initiative yeah absolutely and, and that, yeah and yeah you're right that there is there is a certain as the the uh, in digitizing these things there has there's the assumption that there, that there will be that there will be parity in the knowledge which is uh, uh, surrounding certain artifacts and also the ability to actually record them and sufficiently mm-hmm. uh, archive them and so on and so forth mm-hmm. um you absolutely i mean for example i know that actually the archives um i won't say which archives but some archives near to where i'm living because um, i don't want to embarrass them um, they they have a huge backlog in terms of un un Processed material, and it's and it's just, it's only getting bigger because funding yeah. is low yeah. and stuff is being found or donated all the time. So that that's definitely true. Um, any any other thoughts at all? So, so I think they're great. I mean, I think making um, information that is in museums accessible to a wider audience and and um, making it sort of immersive in a way and making uh, allowing people to you know be able to engage with it through technology is great. Um, the, the biggest problem for me, um, which is just sort of an ongoing issue, I don't know um, how how to resolve it, is the issue of, of digital preservation. Mm. Um, and you know, technology changes constantly, 
um, people and and I feel like websites like these are great, but they're also very temporary mm -hmm. um, because you essentially have to continually update and keep that information cataloged and and keep it going, for, you know, forever. And as technology changes, that becomes very very difficult or impossible. I mean, we have this problem now where we've lost tons of digital material from the, the 80s, 90s, like just VHS tapes, for example, that were never, um, you know, turned into digital files. Now they're falling apart. Or even older digital files mm -hmm. that no one can read anymore because they don't have the proper software. Or, so, or, or indeed, actually, that by virtue of the way that these things work, uh, in order to maintain some sort of economic control, often you have inbuilt, uh, not so much, I suppose, um, uh, inbuilt uh, falling apart of the of the of the technology, but certainly inbuilt barriers. So, for example, uh, mm -hmm. the, to what to to really properly use often these sites such as the this British Museum one, you have to have a a flash plugin. Now, it's free to download, but that said, though, it is a proprietary technology. It's a piece of code which only they own, and it, mm -hmm. and and it could be very easily be lost in the not too distant future. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. And actually, I mean, uh, laser discs. That 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 was that's that's a biggie. Mm. Um, there was a, a little while ago. I did a, I did a video um, where I highlighted that, that there was a was it was it nineteen eighty six I think there was an attempt to sort of digitize uh, the ten sixty six doomsday well ten sixty six onwards doomsday project and um, and it was it was fascinating. It was a great big project and it. You know, it it had the, the backing of the BBC, uh, the BBC, and um, <laughs> but now it's un, it's more it was almost unreadable. It was almost completely lost because suddenly you know we found ourselves in a time when we had these giant discs and nothing could read them. <laughs> and, um, so yeah, that that is definitely a huge problem. Um, but actually, I'm reminded that that by virtue of of the presence of U3 in different ways, uh, actually there's a th there's another problem and that is access. Um, anyone, so long as they can they can physically somehow get there and you can save up for a bus if you have to you can walk into a museum but if you're in an area where you don't have very good internet and and that's the only way that, that one can, can actually access this information then you're kind of stuck I mean Kiara there um, yeah. part of the problem <laughs> is actually is your internet this evening uh, and and you're saying actually that, that, that you, you had some trouble loading this uh, this particular website that, that we were looking at yeah, well, I've not only loaded it today, so a couple of times in um, the past, and it actually never took less than six minutes. And what I feel about is actually also compatibility with other systems, because I'm now using a Windows machine, but I haven't thought about how Linux actually is able to process all these data, mm -hmm. and whether it would work the same or not. And, well, I didn't know how Internet is in other countries, but I also thought it's a bit like, um, to show the exhibition also of the former British Empire to people who are n now not, well, lots of stuff has been collected during that time and it certainly is more of other origins and I think lots of people in more rural environments couldn't even access the site at all. Mm, mm. At least at least to the experiences of um, this network here. Mm. Well, uh, well and, and I can definitely vouch for the fact that, I mean, Liv finds this hilarious because she's in a country where they have like crazy mad mad good internet but um but in the uk it is very variable i mean where i grew up in north wales famously very patchy internet and um and this 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 actually could you, we could end up if museums go down the route of essentially digitizing their collections and having the physical building be 
more or less a, a giant archive which feeds the digital online presence. Uh, if we go down that route, we could end up with this sort of, I suppose, um, multi-tiered levels of access. You could have people who don't have much, well, either don't have much money in order to access the internet properly, or people who live in rural areas uh, being somehow deprived of access to, to stuff which, almost by its virtue, um, should be should be accessible in a museum. So, no, so, so by the virtue of being in a museum, should be accessible. Um, there's one more thing as well that, that occurs to me, just sort of off the top of my head, and that is, I suppose, the, the origin and the, and the, the roots of this word, uh, museum. Part of the joy of a museum is to be, the ability to actually go in and muse, is to sit around looking at things, maybe not actually know everything that's in the museum, uh, or know all the information, or have someone in your ear, for example, saying, um, you know, this, this, uh, this particular uh, sock was knitted by so-and-so, and, so, and it, you, you're actually able to almost imagine what it is that you're looking at. And Do, do you think that, 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 that there's a potential for losing the power of the museum in digitising this, this, this sort of stuff? I'm sceptical. Yeah, because I, I that that could because be because uh, of my my internet addiction. But I, I, the muse part can absolutely be found in a digital museum as well. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it's the famous Wikipedia effect. Uh, you can go from anyway in the ones that we have in Sweden, where there are more like picture archives. Um, that way you can go from picture to picture and kind of lose yourself. Mm in the wealth of information that's there. Mm, mm. And I also think that it's important to... I don't think that digital museums and stuff like that should well erase the museums as they are today, but they are a great complement mm, uh, mm. to museums as they are today. Uh, mm. Because you can also get a grip of what you want to see in a museum mm -hmm. if you go and look at it. Jeanette, mm -hmm. uh, you, you seem to want to say something there? There's, I mean, I, I, maybe I'm romanticizing museums, or I just love <laughs> museums. But to me, there's just something about um, interacting with physical objects in a space and being like really close to, you know, an actual tangible thing, um, rather than having it sort of be mediated through a screen. Um, but you know, practically speaking, I don't think it's 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 necessary. Like for, for educational purposes, mm. um, I think a well-designed, um, you know, museum via technology or on the internet can be just as effective. Mm. Um, but I, I guess in my mind, I've I've always seen sort of sort of digital as more of a supplement um, mm. to to outdated. Um, museum. So, so another problem with like museums um, is that a lot of them aren't updated, um, and they're sort of very lost <laughs> in 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 the time that you know the collection was originally curated. Um, and there, I think, really is where I think technology can become important, right? So, like, let's say you don't have the money to completely renovate a space, but you can install tablets um, mm. that connect to a website or that connect to some kind of you know, thing you can explore that helps uh, update that material. Mm. Um, and actually, speaking speaking of which, I guess there is a there's another side to that. I mean, you're describing the carrots, but I guess the stick side of it could be actually that the 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 wave of of, um, of potential with digital uh, possibilities means that there's really no excuse 
for having that type of museum as well, for having an outdated, dry, dusty area, mm -hmm. um, when it is relatively inexpensive compared to, say, remodelling a whole building. Archaeology Podcast brings together a panel of cultural resource management professionals to discuss the issues that really matter to the profession. Find out about networking strategies, job hunting, graduate programs, and much more. We'll often feature interviews with college professors, CRM business owners, and experts as well. Check out the show on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and at www.archaeologypodcastnetwork.com forward slash CRM Arc Podcast. Let's get back to the show. So yeah, there's the there's definitely I suppose there's there's a double-edged side to that certainly in terms of the potential, um, but I think in terms of I think I'm with you on the uh, on the the nostalgia almost of being able to I mean for for me a really good museum is one where you have a room and there's a there's a bench in the middle and uh, maybe if you're really lucky it's the type of place where you're allowed to have a sandwich <laughs> you can sit there there's a nibbling sandwich looking at something maybe I'm thinking about art galleries as well. And uh, I do enjoy that. I do. I mean, uh, there's well, not that not that you can have sandwiches there, but there's a museum in in County Durham, not too far from from where I am, uh, called the Bose Museum, and it's famous for this silver swan. Once a, once every day, they have this sort of clockwork automaton uh, display of this swan. It's a beautiful thing. Uh, if you ever get a chance, uh, you really should go and see it, uh, people, and also you guys. Um, but uh, but. It, the, Part of the brilliance of the space is actually you go in with, for example, last time I was there, I was with, there with Mrs. Soup and also the in-laws. You go in with all these people and then you split up and you're moving around the space. And sometimes you bump into someone that you know and all the while you're going, oh, have you seen this? Have you seen that? Have you? It's, it's immersive in a way which I fear digital technology might not be immersive uh, and which isn't quite the, the experience. Um, which can be offered by a building. Uh, I mean, um, what what uh, what what do you think, Chiara? Do you have any thoughts on this um, this this argument about or this this question about being in the museum? Well, I think actually that this digital museum is maybe just a response to our digital world, and that well, when I've been lately to the British Museum, I haven't seen any teenagers. Basically, they're just little children with their parents, and I think if well, people would probably today or in that age where computer technology is so far, well, if they're not like directly interested in archaeology, they might maybe rather go and just watch it online because that's, you don't have to pay for anything, you just can go inside. I personally value the museum a lot because mm. I always have to think about how, about all these data that's in there and of course, um, all the maybe outdated descriptions well, they are, they are still printed out. They cannot fail anyone because my experience with technology is when you need it the most, it will fail. And <laughs> I've seen so much badly maintained electricity and technology in museums. I would probably rather fear that most of the tablets would have, I don't know, no power or whatever reasons why they're not working. Mm. So, I don't know. I value just going into a museum, but... Well, I think that's because I think also archaeologists like just museums and just tend to go there more often. Yeah, I wouldn't say that we are uh, unbiased to the museum or artifacts in this yeah. group. 
Indeed, it almost sounds like, like uh, yeah, you can just meet them, meet archaeologists in the corners of museums. Um, well, actually, you pick up on something, there's something I'd just like to sort of draw out a little bit more there, and it's this, this idea, of, you were sort of hinting, uh, Chiara, at this notion that, that, you, that one should go, if one was a museum, one should go to where the, the, the muses are, one should go to where these people are. And if, if, if in particular young minds like teenagers, just before they're, you know, they're, they're entering their careers or whatever, you know, at that, that key formative moment in their life, if they're not coming to the museum, then there is a powerful argument to be said that actually the museum should be going to them. Because um, to a certain extent, that, 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 I suppose that, that was one of the driving forces behind, especially the, the tradition, for, for example, in Britain, of free museums, which started up not that long ago, but long enough that, you know, basically when I was a child, uh, was this, this idea that actually museums are important for, for your... Uh, for your roundedness as a human being, and so, so I think I think yeah, there's there's something there in so much as we should we should possibly uh, be doing everything we can to, to 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 find people where they are, go to where they are, uh, take the mountain to Muhammad, as it were. Um, Jeanette, you seem to want to say something just then, and I, and I well, yeah, it was, a, it was a little bit off topic. Um, it, I was just thinking about the um, sort of more political side of mm-hmm. of this, so. I, I guess this would be more a benefit um, to uh, sort of having digital collections as opposed to real collections, right? Because there are a lot of politics involved um, with with museum ownership and provenance and, and where objects actually belong. Like when you walk into the British Museum, um, there are a lot of objects there that, that other uh, countries want back. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and Undoubtedly. And, 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 you know, you're sort of taking objects and, and putting them all together um, and taking them out of their original context. Whereas I think, you know, if you have sort of an online thing, you know, you can, you can see objects sort of preserved um, mm. through images and, and sort of seen in their actual context and provided with more context and then potentially it might make it easier to return that object maybe um are we trying our best not to say control? what this what this object might be the main one yeah, <laughs> the main one. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. And actually uh, i mean um the 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 not that I mean, I mean to keep on referring back to videos this evening but uh, a couple of years ago we did a video on rqc about the elgin marbles or the parthenon marbles and um and actually once pretty much once a week maybe uh, on that video because i'm a brit I get uh, some abuse thrown at me, sort of saying, you know, they were stolen, give them back, this kind of thing. And the funny thing is, actually, I'm actually quite sympathetic to the argument that they should be returned. Uh, I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't understand why people get so, um, uh, so caught up in the, in the idea that somehow they belong in the British Museum. And especially, actually, as you say, if there is now the, the possibility to separate where, where something is uh, from... Uh, what something is. So what what we can do, we, we can understand what it is without having to actually go there. It's a it's a very powerful tool in that sense. So why not fully digitise them, then give them back? Now there's all sorts of political arguments, all sorts of other things going on around that, um, which I suppose isn't worth really going in. That's a whole that's a whole video on its own, yeah. a, whole, a whole other conversation. Well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um, I think what is interesting, you, you sort of you mentioned the legal side. In the case of the British Museum, and in the case of, I assume, I'm assuming this, many other museums, um, especially national ones, or for example, I mean, perhaps things like um, 
you know, ones in, in, New, in, well, in New York, for example, famous museums, there, there's basically there's, there's a very strong legal underpinning for the, the stuff being there. So in, in Britain, for example, in the British Museum, I'm fairly sure that basically there's an Act of Parliament that says stuff in the British Museum is irrevocably the British Museum's property and can only leave that, that space with the British government's permission. So it, in some ways it has been completely overtly politicised uh, and uh, the, the, what you might call the parochial rights and wrongs of, of ownership in the face of, this, of these legal um, pens which have been put up, up around our artefacts uh, that, that's a very, very uh, intimidating space to find oneself, especially when, 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 when one's talking about this sort of stuff. And so, so perhaps, actually, the, 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 one of the great potentials of this sort of type of museum, this approach to museum, is to, is to actually be able to liberate artefacts from these pens uh, and maybe actually start to, to tackle some of this, dare I say it, colonialist, colonialist um, uh, legal gump that, we t that we've wrapped lots of these artefacts up in. Um, also, uh, so uh, if I can just put in that, uh, we have uh, technology nowadays that makes it easier to, I mean, there are digital art alternatives that make uh, these kind of things and also exhibitions uh, possible to be more interactive uh, with the object himself, with three uh, D scanning and printing and stuff like that. Mm. Uh, so, I mean, replicas are known fact in museums, mm. <laughs> and now we can make humongous replicas uh, yeah. with three D printing. Well, actually, speaking of which, I mean, I mean, I don't really don't want us to go down this road in terms of conversation, but actually, that also <laughs> applies to human remains, actually, as well. Yeah. Mm. I think uh, the, the the argument now there's a, there's a huge ongoing argument at the moment in, in the museum's world as to whether or not actually we need to have any human remains on display at all ever, given that mm. now we can scan and three three D print them to such a high quality. Frankly, the uh, I was in um, Durham University not that long ago, uh, a couple of weeks ago, and I saw the, one of the three D printers that they have, and now not only can they three D print, but also they can, as they're printing, color it in a way which is, you don't even have to have someone who individually paints the thing afterwards. It can print out basically what it looks like. And um, so yeah that, that, yeah, that's a very powerful point actually. So maybe actually, that's, that, maybe that's a halfway house. Maybe we've reached a good halfway house here and that is digitize when you can, um, 3D print um, when, you, when you can, and uh, perhaps leave uh, or perhaps uh, free up some of these more complicated issues to be resolved in ways other than having to have the physical thing in a physical space, maybe. But I think especially for bones, um, well, wrong person to talk about bones in that sense, but <laughs> <laughs> um, it's a bit like I think, I think a lot of people's religious concerns are not resolved by the fact that you make a 3D print of a bone, which for me, example, would be an entirely different object because it's just a 3D copy, mm. but I think for a lot well, these 3D copies look really real to people who have no ideas about human bone. But on the other side, I've experienced some people who don't actually feel tricked mm. because it looks too real. But they don't want any real bones in the museum either. So I think the human bone issue is something that asks. Yeah, well, uh, human remains will always be an issue because people will always be fussy about it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow, wow! People always be fussy about it. Oh well, wait, wait, fussy wait, people. Wait, <laughs> down to this. Get them, will you clear The issue of well, like sorry, go on, sorry. Authentic, 
authenticity, right? There's not just with human remains. Like I think any any museum object, people, I mean, I, I there there are anthropologists who like have been trying to figure this out for mm-hmm. for decades. But it just sort of like how people engage with material culture and why and like how people, you know, give value to certain objects and you can have an exact replica of something, but because it's not the original, because it's not authentic, um, that sort of becomes insulting almost. Um, And, you know, why, like, why is that? And is that something that we can overcome? Is that something we want to overcome? You know, it's it's something that's part of uh, being uh, human, I guess, in a lot of societies. Um, <laughs> so. Actually, um, I think I think we should possibly bring this, this evening's conversation to a close. But it feels like actually we could talk about two things in the near future. One of them being human remains in museums, and another one being the the Parthenon on marbles. Um, <laughs> and maybe we should actually that, that those those could be some really interesting chats to have. But actually, I'm reminded, and I think Jeanette will appreciate this this particular um, uh, metaphor uh, or this particular memory. I'm, I'm reminded of a moment in Star Trek: First Contact <laughs> when um, uh, Picard and Data are looking at this this rocket ship, and Picard has to touch it, and uh, and Data's like, "Why? Why? Why are you touching it? What? What does that? What does that do? Does that make that more real for you?" And without without thinking about it, Picard goes, absolutely, yeah, definitely. I've read about this since I was a boy. I've seen pictures of it. He's in the future, so undoubtedly he's probably seen 3D printing of, of these things or whatever, holograms. But touch, physically being there, is something which is so important to people. And, uh, and maybe this, this is... This is this is this is well. This is actually this is absolutely at the heart of really what, what we've been talking about this evening, and um, and well worth revisiting in the near future. Uh, on that note, guys, I'd invite you you guys at home to comment below. Um, also, uh, uh, feel free to comment on uh, obviously you know, what if you think uh, the issues that other issues that we discussed this evening warrant another video. Then please feel free to invite us to to make those videos. Which one would you want to see first, human remains or or uh, the uh, Parthenon marbles? Fight! Um, but well, crucially, video about authenticity, maybe. Oh, authenticity as well. Authenticity, precisely. So definitely comment below on that, uh, as it were. You know, vote on which one you want to see. But also just. Um, We'd love to see this conversation continue. So uh, definitely continue in the comments section below and maybe we'll have to return to this in the not too distant future as well. Anyway, guys, uh, thank you so much as ever for your time. Um, and well, I suppose uh, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs> and uh, for you guys at home, as ever, until next time, do take care. Bye-bye. This show is produced by Chris Webster and Tristan Boyle. This has been a presentation of the Archaeology Podcast Network. Visit us on the web for show notes and other podcasts at www.archaeologypodcastnetwork.com.